Hey everybody, welcome to the Advance Your Belly Dance podcast, a weekly podcast all about the business of belly dance. Hey everybody, here is Jana, and thanks for joining us for this week's Advance Your Belly Dance podcast. This week I'm excited to have Maheen for the interview for this week, who's going to be talking to us about booking and negotiations and contracts and all that good stuff. So Maheen, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, hi Jana, thanks for having me on. I'm based here in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh a lot of people know me from the Belly Dance Quickies, which I've been publishing for the past uh, seven years now. And uh, yeah, so yeah, that's basically what I do. I tour and travel and teach here and, you know, that's read a blog and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and you want to talk to us this week about bookings. And I think this is a really important topic because a lot of dancers are really scared of doing this part. I know I was when I was first starting out. And because we don't really want to be talking about money or chasing people for money and contracts and all that stuff. And I'm really excited that you're going to be talking about it this week. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, I definitely, when I was first started to do gigs, I um, I also had a lot of hesitation about that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I spent a good amount of time thinking about why. And uh, I think it's because a lot of us get into belly dance as a hobby, and we do it because we like it. And I think there's some reluctance to really charge and be formal and be businesslike about something that we've been doing for a hobby. But when you cross the line and you start to work professionally, you know, it's important to separate those kinds of thoughts, the, the thoughts of doing it for fun and the thoughts of doing it as a business. And you have to have to um, look at it differently, you know, and so I think that's one of the places where uh, people get a little bit uh, uncomfortable about negotiating, and so they may be undercharged, or they don't get all the information that they need, or they don't kind of stand up for themselves in, in, in situations where a deal doesn't go quite as planned. And oftentimes when something doesn't go quite as planned, it's because we haven't asked all the questions and gotten all the information we really should have gotten all the way up front, you know, and clarified everything. So I feel like a good conversation at the beginning of a booking uh, is really the key for making everything go really smoothly. Definitely. So what would you say are the tips um, for how to negotiate a booking? So why don't we get right into it? Sure. Um, well, you know, you get your phone call or someone approaches you maybe at your restaurant gig or, or wherever your, you know, your source of, of uh, you know, gig inquiries comes in. And uh, you know, most of the time for me, it winds up being a phone call. And, uh, you know, so the first thing they usually do is they either, or email as well, yeah. And so they'll, they'll ask you, I'm having a party, um, do you do birthday parties and how much is it? And that's usually how the inquiry goes. <laughs> and you have to stop yourself and you have to ask lots of questions because that is not the time to give them a price. And even if you know your price already, it is absolutely not the time to give them a price right off the bat. 
And so the first thing I would say is get all the information you possibly can out of them for a couple of reasons. One, because you want to know whether this is a gig you even want. And you don't want every gig. You know, some, some gigs just aren't a good fit for you because of what you prefer to do. And some of them are just not a good environment to be in. You know, things like bachelor parties. You, know, you want to screen that stuff out right away. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and so you want to get a lot of information, and you so you ask them, say, okay, well, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, do you have a date and in mind, and and first, you know, check your calendar, make sure you're even available on that date before you spend, you know, 20, 30 minutes talking to this person, in order to find out that you know, you're already booked for that night. Um, so you know, once you clear that part, then you know, tell them, oh, well, tell me about your event, and get them to tell you what's the purpose of the occasion. Is it their birthday, is it a wedding reception, is it, you know, something else, you know, have to find out what it is, and then ask them, you know, about how the show fits into the, the event itself, you know, or like, oh, well, we want entertainment during dinner, or, you know, we want it uh, to be, you know, this is going to be during a cocktail hour, or this is going to be, you know, uh, we're going to have a stage, and then there's, you know, and, and we're going to have dancing on the floor afterwards, or, you know, you know, people, I've seen been to some pretty elaborate parties where people actually have had stages, you know, or, you know put up in their backyards, it's crazy, but, um, you know, in a house party, but, you know, people do those things. And anyway, so you want to get all the information that you possibly can out of them. And uh, all this information, you should be taking notes as you're sitting down. Don't, don't like, think you're going to remember all this stuff. Take notes while you're talking to them. And these notes are going to be really important to you when they hopefully say yes and, they, uh, and you draw up the contract. So you, know, you want to find out who you're talking to, of course, and you want to know exactly where. Uh, the location is going to be because you know if you live in a big city, uh, where it is and what time of day it is, you know, can really affect the price you're going to give someone. For example, like uh, I live in Phoenix, and if someone tells me that their party is going to be in uh, Chandler, which is a suburb of the Phoenix area, well, if they're in the part of Chandler that's close to Phoenix, then it might only be a 25-minute drive for me. But if they're in the very far south part of Chandler, I might be driving an hour. And if it's, they want me there at 6 o'clock on a weeknight, then it might take me an hour and a half to get there because of rush hour. So you got to figure out all of those things because your travel time is part of something that you uh, need to charge for. So um, you should know your radius of like where you don't charge. And outside of that, then you have a charge for that. And you know, if you're, it's going to be even more time because of the time of day. And you should also know that. So I like to you know, get like cross streets from people, and I'll like to be on my computer while I'm talking to them, and I'll Google it just so I can go ahead and look at the map and kind of get a, an idea of uh, where it is and how long it's going to take me, so I can include that in the price. Um, and finding out, you know, and I always ask them when they when they're saying, um, you know, they're you know giving me all the details. I like to ask, at what time would you like the show to start? I don't ask what time do you want me to be there. I say, what time do you want the show to start? Because some people, they just want you there, and they're like, you know, they want you there half an hour before, and, and, you know, that just doesn't work on a busy Saturday night, you know? And I mean, if they want to pay you to be waiting around for a half an hour, that's fine, but, you know, most people don't. So I always ask them, what time do you want the show to start? And then also making sure that, uh, you know, that uh, the kind of show that they're looking for 
Now, I deal with a lot of um, I deal with a lot of, of you know Middle Eastern people and Mediterranean people with with my bookings, and so I need to find ways to delicately ask the questions about where they're from, so that I know what kind of music and I know what kind of things to suggest. Um, like if I'm talking to an Egyptian person and they're talking to me about a wedding, then I might suggest a zappa because they like that. But if I'm talking to a Greek person about a wedding, then I'm probably not going to suggest a zappa, you know? If I'm talking to a Lebanese family, I ask them if they want to finish up the show with, you know, getting everything up and starting the deputy line, you know? So you, want, you need to know who you're talking to and find ways to, to get that information out of them if you can't. If they haven't given it to you directly, so you want to find out like all the stuff that, about it, and at that point, you and you you also want to like uh, get them to paint the picture of what they want for you because they can say that they want a birthday party show, but they have something in their mind. You know, they've already created in their mind the idea of what their they want their event to look like, whether it's for themselves or someone else, and it's your job to get that picture that's in their head, out of them. Because the closer you come to that for them, the better the job that they will have perceived you have done for them. And they'll be like, oh, you did exactly what I wanted. But if you don't get that picture out of their head and get them to express it to you, you really can't fulfill it. You can, you know, you don't want just want to go in and throw down your normal say, hey, this is my 25-minute show. This is what I do. Boom. You know, it's like, no, if there's something that you can do that makes it a perfect fit for your client, whether it's just the right music from the right kind of genre of music, or that they really want a classic style show, or they really want a kind of upbeat modern show, or they're into props, or whatever it is. You want to find that out, because that's how you give your, your client really great service, and that's how they're going to be really super thrilled and be convinced that you are worth every penny you charge them, you know? So you want to get them to, to really paint that picture for you, and then you repeat it back to them. You say, oh, okay, so I see. So, you know, you want the show to be during dinner time and you have know, about a 20-minute show you think is a good fit for you. And uh, let's see, so you want some nice upbeat modern Lebanese music, you know, and, uh, you know, and you, I know you want a big entrance and it's going to be a surprise. And so you try to, like, go ahead and, and talk back to them and, and kind of fill in the blanks for how you're going to do that for them. And so you help them complete the cycle on that picture in some way. And, and, uh, and then they're like, yeah, she gets me. She knows what I want. And then they're ready to say yes, you know. <laughs> and so at that point, they'll usually ask for the price again. And at that point, you can give them the price. And if you've done a good job and you've made them excited and, can, and very confident that you can really fulfill what they want, most people are going to be okay with your price if you know even if you're a, you're a good solid uh, professional price for your area which of course is different for every single area I mean where it varies so widely always all across the country um, but uh, you know and then it, a lot of times you know sometimes some people don't some people really didn't really even have any clue about what it might even cost and they might have sticker shock and, uh, you know, then that's another whole thing. I mean, that's where you have to decide, did you pitch a price that you have a little bit of wiggle room with? Or did you pitch a price that really is your solid, I don't go below this price? Um, that, and that's... Yeah, yeah, sorry to about the price before I forget to ask you. Do you usually 
leave like room for negotiation like to usually pitch your highest price and then let them potentially like talk you down to the price that it actually is because I know a lot of people <laughs> do that because they don't want to deal with um, like having to negotiate that is yeah the answer is yes and no <laughs> because um like I said I deal with a lot of clients who are not uh, not American by birth okay mm-hmm. and so they expect to bargain mm-hmm they absolutely expect it. And if you don't, you have not played done business their way. Americans don't. Mm-hmm. Americans are much more used to, this is the sticker price, this is what I pay, and that's the case. Now, some of them will want to get you down simply because they don't like the price, but mm, that's not usually a game I'm going to play there. <laughs> so basically, when, you know, so... I, when if I'm if I'm if I'm dealing with ethnic clients, I, I do pitch a little bit higher than what I um, than what I aim really for, and they almost always are uh, you know they, they play the game and they go back and forth a little bit and then we arrive at where I really intended to be anyway, and we both feel like you know we've gotten what we wanted out of it. They feel like they they've done their job to haggle in the marketplace and get themselves a better deal, and I've got No, that's very, very true. You don't have to justify or, or be apologetic for what you're charging. No, um, I mean, and, and seriously, I like if, if I if I feel like that if they have an objection to the price and I feel like we're not getting anywhere and there's nowhere for me to adjust and uh, meet them where they need to be, then uh, then yeah, say oh no, I'm cool. It's not like a really fun party. I'm sorry, it doesn't fit your budget. 
you know, that's, and that's that. And then mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll be like, well, let me think about it, you know. And But the thing is, stop talking. I mean, yeah. just tell them it's okay and stop talking and either get off the phone or give, you know, listen to what they say afterwards. And if they repeat themselves and they say, well, like I said, you know, I'm sorry, that's my price. And, uh, you know, if you want to give me a call back in another day or two, if you change your mind, I'm happy to talk to you then. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really good point. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, um, I have to say that there was one particular booking that I had, oh, I don't know, it was four or five years ago that really just drove that home for me, and uh, it was a party that the guy was asking me, uh, it was his wife's birthday party, it happened to be right during like, the Christmas holiday season, and uh, I gave him a price, and he was like, oh, that's ridiculous. My lawyer doesn't even charge that much per hour, and he gave me that whole spiel, and I was like, well, you know, that's, that's it, and, you know, that's what I did. And he called me back two days later, and he's like, you know, I really want you to do this performance. I said, well, I gave you my price, and he was like, well, it was just too much, and, and then it's, at that point, but in the day between, another booking had come up that was really close to his house and almost that time. And so what I did was I said, you know what, if you can move this party, if you can move the show time to 10 o'clock, I said, I'll come down to this price for you. Because I was like, I was literally going to be five minutes away from his house. And I figured, you know what, I already have my costume already out. I'm going to do it. You know, whatever. This is, it's, you know, it's not my best price, but I got the booking. So I went and I arrived at the address. It wasn't a part of town I was super familiar with. I got there and I realized that this house is on the top of the hill. And there's one road up. And all the cars for this party are parked on this little narrow road down the hill. So I had to park all the way at the bottom of this hill. And me and my suitcase and my high heels are trudging all the way up this stupid hill. I get to the doorway of this mansion. I get get inside. He's got a three-piece jazz band playing in the lobby of his little say lobby, but you know the foyer of his house of this mansion. My show probably cost less than his freaking doormat (laughs) on my door, and I was furious with myself for not sticking to my price. And oh. after that, I didn't do it anymore. <laughs> oh, man. That's... Oh, that sounds that like a nightmare. Oh, of course, of course. It's always the people that have issues. This is a red flag, right? <laughs> like, yeah. if they have an yeah. issue with your price and or whatever it is in the beginning, they're probably not going to be the best people to work with. Like, just... That's, like, true of everything. Even in, in my other business for design... If they're, especially if price is just a constant thing, that they're not going to be good clients to work with. Just either pass them on to somebody else or tell them it's not a good fit or something. And yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I, after that experience, I learned to say, I'm sorry that I don't fit your budget. I hope you find what you're looking for. Goodbye. (laughs) That's a very good, polite, and affirmative way to state that. When I was living in London, I once got a call for a wedding and I quoted them the price, um, which was standard for the area. And then they were trying to tell me, well, we just called this other studio and they offered that for like three dancers though. And I'm like, good luck with them. <laughs> and that was the whole, because if 
Sure. If you think it's it's like a bargain deal that you're getting three dancers, oh, two of those being students, it was a teacher and her two students, uh-huh. um, for the same price as one person, then have fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's, two, there's two little side roads from that. One t- Sometimes they're like, Oh well, do you have a student maybe who would like to come and do the show for 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 the less? And I was like, well, a student is a student. You really don't want a student. I said yeah. because the reason that their students are not out there working is because they're not ready. Yeah. I said, and I'm sure that you really do want the very best entertainment for your guests, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and the other thing that I'll get is um, a little say. Uh, well, I, I talked to another dancer, and she only quoted me $100 for that show. And I was like, if that fits your budget, go for it. I said, well, I can tell you one thing, though. I said, um, I would advise you to ask for current photos and some big performance video before you sign a contract with them. I said, because it would be really embarrassing if you got somebody who, you know, didn't really fit the bills. I'm happy to send you professional photos and performance videos. I said, I suggest that you ask that of anyone you're considering so that you really know what you're getting. Hmm. And uh, that's what I tell them. And I just leave them to it. It's their party, you know? Yeah. They'll make up what they want. But anyway, so, you know, let's say, you know, you get through all of that, and then they finally, they say, yes, you're what we're looking for, we want to sign. Then, um, then it's time to make the contract. And so if you have your notes, then you have a lot of the things that you already need for your contract. And, um, you know, I like to, I, I, I remember even once I was already gaming for a while, I was always felt really weird about using your contract. I felt like, I felt like it meant that I didn't, that I didn't trust them or that, you know, or, or that, that they perhaps shouldn't, you know, that, Mostly that they didn't, that I didn't trust them really to keep up on the end, their end of the booking, and uh, I don't know maybe that was just me, but that definitely is how I felt. Probably because I worked with a lot of like I said, you know, non-American clients, and they typically don't really like contracts all that much. You know, you're, they kind of expect that your word's going to be good, and um, they they're like hesitant about it. And I was hesitant about it. And I've stopped being hesitant about it. I use them for everyone now. And I really don't. I think it was more my attitude than theirs when I look back on it. But um, contracts have saved me in many situations. And the way I like to frame it to my clients is I tell them after, you know, we've discussed everything. And I say, well, you know, when we're booking, I said, you use a simple contract. It's basically just a who, what, where, when, how much, just so we all have our facts all on the same page. So, you know, we all are very clear about everything. And I don't have a complicated contract, but I do have what I feel is a complete one and it has served me well. Um, so you definitely want to know who's responsible for paying you. Um, that is the person whose name should be on the contract. And you should be clear about that, especially if you're doing like a, like a corporate gig or, or something like that. You, the person who contacts you is not necessarily the person who's responsible for paying you. It could be the administrative assistant or someone who's just helping with an event. But you want to find out who's actually responsible for paying you because that person's name needs to be on the contract. And if they're representing a company, then it needs to say this person representing this company. And so you want to make sure that you get that in the case of doing business with another business. 
And address, of course, is going to be on there if you are going to be like at a resort for a wedding show or something. Always ask for the name of the ballroom or, um, you know, if it's a large sort of complex, try and get, you know, additional information about that and who you should check in with. If it's a large event, like there's a wedding planner that, um, that you need to be speaking with or, um, you know, or, or something like that. If there's some, someone you should be asking for when you get there. Um, you want to specify what your showtime start is and let them know that you'll get there. Usually I tell people I'll be there approximately 15 minutes before the showtime because that's really all the time that I need. Um, sometimes if it's a large place, I might make it a half an hour if I feel like, you know, I have to stop and talk to the DJ and, you know, I, I want to take care of some extra things just to make sure because of, you know, we're bringing multiple dancers or I'm bringing musicians with me or, you know, you need to think about how much actual time you need let them know what time you're going to arrive and what time you expect to start. Um, in some contract situations, I add a clause for waiting time. Most of the time I don't because I'm pretty clear with my clients uh, about, my, about what time the start time is, but uh, occasionally I my sixth sense tells me that I probably should put a waiting time clause in. <laughs> That's a good one to have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time and anything beyond 15 minutes will be charged at X amount of dollars per whatever time unit I decide, you know, and usually I go by 15 minute units and, and uh, that way they know. And most of the time just having that on there is good enough to make sure they go, oh, okay. <laughs> have you ever had to reinforce that? Have you ever like had yes, to? I have. I have. But when they, with, but in those cases, when when I have, I said, you know, it was, of course, it was a wedding because, you know, weddings always run. run mm -hmm. like, and I can count on one hand the amount of wedding shows that have happened on time. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I know this, and that's why I charge more for weddings up front because I kind of built in almost a half an hour of wait time right in there because that way I don't even need to deal with that later. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I have. And, uh, you know, I'll give a certain amount of grace time, but if they say, oh, you know, we're running late, and it's like, well, you know what, I can, um, I can hold the show off a little bit, and I do charge for that, and sometimes I just tell them, you know, I can't, I have another booking, I need to go on now, or I don't go on, I said, you know, you booked me for this time, and I believed you, and I need to be somewhere else at another time, and I can't be late for the other client, you know, just like I wouldn't let the client before you make me late for you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and that usually, you know, keeping it short, you can handle that stuff. It's pretty easy. Um, but yeah, so, you know, the, being clear about the time is really important and having it on your contract description that it's going to be a mixed set 20 minutes long with audience participation at the end, you know, whatever it is, you know, you're, or, uh, you know, a wedding show 25 minutes long with, leading the deputy line at the end, or you're going to do a Zephyr, and then you're going to have a 30-minute wait, and then you're going to do the, you know, the, the main dinner show or something like that. So you want to make sure that exactly what you're doing and how long it's going to be is all spelled out. I usually put the occasion on the contract as well. I put, you know, it's dad's, you know, 50th birthday or it's wedding reception or it's, you know, corporate cultural fair. I put that on there as well. 
Um, and so there, there you enter your price. Of course, you're going to have your price and your deposit on there. Um, I always take a deposit. And people who don't want to give you a deposit, you really don't want their business because they're the ones who are going to call you 24 hours in advance and say, oh, you know what, we decided not to do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it's too late to book something else. So um, I always recommend getting a deposit, even if it's a small one. I, I use, uh, I would say mine is about 20, 20% of the total booking. It's not much, but it's enough to weed out the serious people from the not serious people, mm -hmm. um, which to me is the main reason for the deposit. You know, so um, you would have your total fee on there, and then you have your deposit, and then you would have your balance and how you expect to be paid. Do you want cash only, or you do you want to be paid 24 hours in advance by PayPal? Do you accept checks? Do you not accept checks explicitly? And that's something that should be on there, what an acceptable form of payment and when. That should be on your contract. And um, then, of course, your signatures. And, uh, you know, what I like to do is I make my contract in... Google in Google Docs and export as it as a PDF and I email it to them along with a letter that you know an email that you know explains how they can return it to me and everything else and uh, there's changes and all that kind of stuff and so I send that to them and they sign it and they can send it back to me some of them have scanners of course and some people don't have scanners and you have to think about those things about how technologically uh, savvy they are and you are about getting contracts back and forth I've just started um, dabbling with uh, using electronic signature things like mm -hmm. electronic signature programs um, I know that um, cam scanner on my phone has made my life much 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 easier <laughs> programs out there um uh, i forget the name i think it might be panda dogs i'm not sure but um there's plenty of like new um tech startups that are like developing yeah. things like that I out know, there I so found one, i found one called my doc safe 
through AppSumo that was $39 for a lifetime usage, which is pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm, and, you know, that's the one where I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, well, do I want to upload it and just have this, or do I want to have a template so I can actually put all the details right in there? And I'm trying to figure out what's the, the least work way mm -hmm. and to streamline all of that. So, yeah, so once you have your contract, of course, you know, you want to have a check-in call with the client, you know, a day, two days beforehand and just say, okay, just go on over, I'm going to get there at this time, get there at this time, this is your balance, you know, this is how it needs to be paid, and just, you know, last-minute things, making sure that if it's a place that has, like, a, a gate code, like here in Arizona, there's lots of communities where when you drive up, if you have to have a code to get into the community, mm -hmm. and so... That's something that is like, you know, if you don't think about that, you're like, oh, great, here I am at the gate. And um, you're ringing your phone and they're busy partying and you're like, oh, geez. <laughs> 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 Until someone who knows the code comes out. Jump the fence. You want to make sure you have all of those things and, um, you know, last minute things that they need to tell you. And, and uh, you know, have your checking call and then. After the gig's all done, hopefully, if you got all your information, everything should have gone pretty smoothly. And then afterwards, make sure you send a thank you and uh, you know, follow up with them afterwards and just you know, send a thank you note or however it is you like to handle those things. And so, sorry to backtrack a little bit. So, do you usually... With regards to collecting payment, I know when I was in Florida, um, it was either check or cash... Did you have something that specified, I know you mentioned like um, either 24 hours before through PayPal or something like that. Do you personally um, collect it after the event? Because that also, uh, you, have, you might have to wait around a bit depending on the person who's ready to pay you. Or do you just prefer to do it um, like you mentioned beforehand, like 24 hours beforehand they pay you? Or what do you personally do? You know, uh, that really is kind of... Um depends on the situation well a lot of times like if it's a wedding a lot of times they'll have the wedding planner will mm -hmm. have um the coordinator person will have envelopes ready for everybody okay. and so um in that case a lot of times they just hand it to you at the beginning you know when you get there because they just want to be done with it um for house parties and things like that honestly if you wait to get paid afterwards that you have a better chance of getting an extra tip. <laughs> I mean, if they pay you beforehand, they're going to pay you maybe a little bit of a tip, and 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 you know, and then you know, some people tip during their during the show, and some people don't, you know, and um, but they might have put a little extra in your envelope. But if you've done a great job, if you wait till afterwards, a lot of times they're willing to throw a bunch of extra money in there, you know, and so if you. Uh, and most people don't keep you waiting too long. I really haven't had that experience. If I feel like I'm on a tight schedule that night and I feel like it might be an issue, I will mention that. Like during the check-in call, I'll, I'll say, you know, I just want to let you know that, you know, I scheduled in enough time for, for your your, your show starting at 10, but I want to let you know that you do have another engagement at 11.30 across town, so I really do have to stay on time. And that's just, uh, it's a courtesy to them. It lets them know in advance that, you know, we really do have to keep the show on time. And usually people are pretty nice about it, and we'll make sure that they get you in and out. I mean, 
people, most people are good. There's a few bad clients out there, but it's not the majority, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and a lot of times, like I said, right at the top of this, when things don't go well, oftentimes it's because you didn't get all the information that you really should have gotten mm -hmm. from the start. So, Very true. Have you ever had to, I know, I, I know a few people that have done this before. I'm not sure um, what it's like in Phoenix, but in Florida. Um, so for example, a dancer might bring along her boyfriend um, kind of as security and to also take pictures. And then that's stated in the contract, kind of like, I will be bringing this person. Um, he's the photographer, like to kind of mask it as a photographer situation, but just in case. And have you ever had to do something like that or heard something? Um, I honestly, if I feel like I'm going into a place where I need an escort, I probably don't want that job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I have only once in all the years that I've been getting gotten myself into a place where I was like, oh, hell no supposed to be here <laughs> and that was pretty early on <laughs> and um yeah I I don't um I have brought like uh I had a dancer who was apprenticing with me for a while and I did bring her on some gigs just to kind of help her you know get the ropes and see how things go and she just kind of you know helped me with that costume and she you know started you know she brought my music out to the DJ, you know, I had her do some things, but I just mostly was because she was emerging as someone who would go out to do gigs, and I just wanted her to kind of see how it went, you know, mm -hmm. and so, and she did take some pictures, you know, while she was there and everything, and uh, it would be awesome to have someone along to take pictures, but uh, I usually I pretty much work and travel solo, um, but no, I honestly, if I feel like I need a bodyguard, I, I really don't want to be there. And I've developed a really good sense of people on the phone. And um, I don't know, my instincts are good. If you don't trust your instincts that much, then you might want to go ahead and bring someone. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and having them as the guise of a photographer or something like that does make it seem to the client uh, a little less like, like you feel threatened in their space. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, for me, mostly, if I have felt that way, I, I, I will just assume to turn down the gig. I don't really need that. For sure. I know dancers have done that for, not for private house parties, but for, like, um, restaurant sets or something where there's alcohol served at late night or something like that, so that they've brought someone just in case. Um, you know, that's the, that's the restaurant owner's job to make sure that you are in a safe space. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and, and, again, if you feel like that the place is that rough or the, or the crowd is that sketchy, why do you want to be there? For sure, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, I think some people just feel more secure to have someone there with them. Um, or maybe Florida's just crazy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, like everyone, everyone's different. And I think that, you know, if someone really feels the need for that and they have someone who's willing to go, then that's awesome. You know, I mean, I'm personally, I can only speak for myself, but personally, I, I wouldn't want to go somewhere and I wouldn't, I mean, I would be really kind of preoccupied with watching crowd rather than doing my show you know keeping an eye on people mm -hmm. but I don't know I guess I also have had a different experience because my many of my um my 
early years gigging was at uh, at really late night Arab clubs where there was plenty of alcohol and late and it was crowded and people were kind of crazy and I mean I learned to develop some really cat like reflexes with audiences. And with regards to following up, what do you usually do? Do you send thank you notes or just an email or? Um, I personally like to send a handwritten thank you note, and I'll tuck a few business cards in, and I'll you know, I'll, I, and it's and I write a, a, an original note for each one. You know, I say thank you, and I mention something about the game that I liked, and I usually close with you know, asking them to please keep me in mind for future events, and I'll tuck a few business cards in and put it in the mailbox and I do it promptly. I do it the next day. That's good. I get it out right away. Right away. (laughs) Do you usually have to wait a long time to get back any photos? You know, I have terrible luck with getting photos. (laughs) I think most answers do. (laughs) (laughs) I've always figured I just, it was just me and I was just somehow cursed. I don't know. But uh, I usually, I do like to to ask some, you know, to ask and and sometimes, uh, sometimes I'll get some back or sometimes, uh, you know, if it's an event with a photographer, I try and pick up the photographer's you know, contact information or, or swap cards with them at the wedding so that I can uh, hopefully get some shots from them. And I have to say, I, have, I very rarely have success with that. Um, I ask the photographers for you know, some of the pictures from the wedding, but usually they don't oblige. And they, when they do, they want to charge me a ton of money. Or they don't even answer, and so most of the time it's just better to ask the bride when she's gotten back and say, "Hey, you have a couple pictures from the show that you might want to share with me." And, and usually, t- for me, that's been more successful than trying to talk to the photographer themselves. So, I think maybe instead of asking them to send us photos, I think if we ask them to like tag us, like in the digital age, now that might be easier. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. I never really thought about that. Um, I guess, you know, but that would mean that you probably have to already be connected with them. And I don't necessarily get connected on Facebook with all my clients. Yeah, but maybe if they post on Instagram, even that, because then you don't have to be connected. I yeah. think they can just tag you and then, or like a Facebook page. I think that might yeah, be a new I thing to try. <laughs> I, should, I should tell us if, if you happen to share them on here or there, then here's how you can tag me. That was very clever. I like that suggestion. Yeah. And then if you don't like it, you just untag yourself. But <laughs> if. <laughs> Toes are turned in. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's better than you can just actually just go and filter through, like, oh, okay, I like this one. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good suggestion. <laughs> Something new to try. Well, thank you so much for talking to us about this. This is a really interesting topic, and I think a lot of dancers, um, they really like hearing about this. I know even I do after 10 years of dancing. I still like hearing how other people deal with um negotiating and booking 
I know me personally, I hate talking on the phone. The fact that I even have this podcast is amazing, but I just, I prefer everything through email. And um, I know when I was first starting out in Orlando, my instructor, who was also my troop director and leader, she was the one that was handling all the bookings if we had any. And that was really great because I did not have to do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I'm the one that handles all the bookings for my ensemble. But you know what? You just actually, um, you just brought up a thought um, that that is kind of important if you if you got another minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have to say that the sooner you get the client on the phone to actually talk to you, the better. Email, mm-hmm. people will try and go back and forth by email, but you have, like, your odds of closing the deal go up significantly and you can get them on the phone going back and forth by email you really just can't build your rapport and sell yourself through email yes for i don't sure. mind I, I i just i'm like always trying to get them on the phone i'll tell them oh i need a little bit more information about your about your gig to to give you an accurate price can you give me a call or give me your number and give me tell me a good time to call you because the, honestly, the, if you can get them on the phone, you just up your chances of closing the deal and getting everything you need information-wise from them. You, you, you're in a way better situation. So oh, for sure. Like it, oh, for sure. I know you are totally right. But as a millennial, I can tell you right now, <laughs> getting on the phone is the worst. It's like, who died? Why are you calling me? Just text me. <laughs> For sure, yeah. I know you're right. And it's it's just funny because it's my own little, like, anxious hang-up. Like, um, especially now that I've been living in Germany, it's a, di- it's a different language. I speak German, but it's, you know, it's not my native language. And It's definitely an observation that I have found, though, over the years, though. There is an advantage for it. <laughs> yeah. And here, everyone, like, for every little thing you have to call, it's not like in the States where you can just, or even in the UK when I was living there, where everything's through email here in Germany, or especially in Berlin, um, you have to call for everything. And it's just like, oh, God. <laughs> But it's something that I have to to work on. I don't I don't gig um anymore. I just uh, teach. But yeah, it's just it's very funny that you mentioned that. And you're completely right. So definitely don't listen to me. People listening to this podcast, do not be shy about getting on the phone. Listen to my hanging. <laughs> Get on the phone. So thank you so much. Is there anything you want to share with people about where to find you? Anything that you're working on? Anything that you want to let people know uh, where to find you. Yes. Um, uh, well, you definitely can find me on Facebook at Mahin Belly Dance Entrepreneurs, my page. And I also have a page for my publication, Mahin's Belly Dance Quickies. And uh, for those who aren't subscribers, um, you can you know subscribe to the Quickies, which comes three times a week by email and has lots of good stuff in it for dancers to know and business stuff, history cultural things and, and um, you know, and also tutorials and, and videos, interesting videos in general. Um, but my most recent project is I just uh, launched a 
four-week online choreography session. So I've been doing short tutorials for seven years, and um, now I have just put out my first four-week one. And it really it launched on June 1st, which I believe is going to be a couple days before this podcast comes out. But we'll still be in the first week, and people can still join in on the Iazane Veil choreography. It's an intermediate choreography, and they can find it by going to my webpage, which is she's got hips, S-H-E-S-G-O-T-H-I-P-S, and going to the shop page, and they can watch the uh, short video there and find all the information about the class right there, too. Great, and I'll also add that into the uh, description for this podcast. I'll add a direct link so people can just go and click on it as well. Fabulous, thank you. So thank you so much for joining us, and hopefully you will be back for maybe another topic of wisdom. Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I've been listening to your uh, your podcast uh, for a while, and so when you, when you emailed me and you said, oh, by the way, I don't know if you've seen my podcast before, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm actually subscribed to you. You're in my iPod regularly. So. Oh, yay. Yeah. That makes me happy to hear. I really enjoyed the one, about, um, the one about the video production that was, uh, that was really interesting. That, that oh, great. Part, just recently, I looked at a lot. So, yeah, and, and when you did with Amity on, uh, on event uh, planning, that was fascinating and very useful. I really, I really enjoyed this. Great. Thank you so much. I'm really happy Thank that you, you also you. listened to Thank it. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course. You're welcome back anytime. You can just email me. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Will yes. Do. So, thanks, guys, for listening this week. See you guys next week.